Hello and welcome to Vision Scope, a program designed to educate and inform on matters relating to disabilities. My name is Wilbert Williams. Hello there. So glad you could join me for this episode of Vision Scope. In Vision Scope, we aim to motivate, educate, and inform persons with disabilities. And so we are happy to have you. Our guest today is Nash Suleiman. Nash is a British national. She is of Asian parents, but she has lived all her life in the United Kingdom. She was born and has lived all her life in the United Kingdom. Nash became blind as an adult, although she suffered sight loss from childhood days, but was able to go through school with that loss, through regular school with that loss. Today we present Nash's story and we trust that you will glean something from it that will help you in your own struggles. So sit back and listen to Nash's story. Nash, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and all of this? We like to know a, a bit about our guests, you know. Sure. Um, well, my full name is Nastran Akhtar Suleiman. And to friends, it's Nash. And so you're very welcome to call me Nash um, because I'm part of the UVC movie club and the UVC chat. So we're all friends. Mm. Um, so, yes, um, uh, I was born in England. Uh, my background is my parents were from Pakistan. And uh, so I'm British Asian. Uh, my dad first came here in this country in 1958 uh, as a single man then. And he went back home, got married to my mom in 1964. So then my mom came over here in 1968. Uh, so then I was born in 69. So mm -hmm. I've been here all my life. So I, I visited Pakistan, I class it as my home as forefathers but this is actually my home i don't know any different but um um what do you call it so i've i i've got a sight issue which is called retinitis pigmentosa and it's um short name is rp and i had sight uh when i was born um uh, but my family didn't realize until I started walking as a toddler 
because when they used to switch the light off, I would stand still. So they realized that something's up. Uh, and But they obviously, um, even though I was in England, they couldn't really diagnose me with anything because I was too small. But when I was about 10, they diagnosed me with uh, RP. Now, RP is like, at the beginning, this condition is, they said it was genetic disorder. And so I had vision, day vision was perfect, but I had no night vision. It's totally zilch. Uh, let's, back up, let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little Yeah, bit. sure. Um, what, what is Nash like physically? Describe yourself to us. Um... Physically, I'm about 5'1", mm-hmm. uh, very light brown skin, mm-hmm. Asian. I've got uh, a short bob and my hair's like a reddish brown. Well, the original colour is black, but I've put red in it. Um, so that's me. <laughs> okay. So... What has life been like for you? I mean, you were born in, in, in Britain of Asian parents. What, what has life been like for you? Has it been easy fitting into the British culture or are you considered not to be British? Well, early days, as a child growing up, um, it was it, we, it was like growing up in two cultures. In the morning, getting up, going to school, and you were taught English, so you had to speak English. You come home. Uh, my parents, both of them, didn't. Did they? Uh, well, my dad's passed over now, but they don't. They didn't speak English, so we had to learn our mother tongue, uh, which is Mirpuri. Or, mm. or Udu. And then we had to go to the mosque when we finished school. So it was just having growing up with like, uh, you could say like two lives, isn't it? So it's two, mm-hmm. two sort of cultures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but as a child, I suppose you adapt very quickly. Um, and that. So, you know, so like learning English and being brought up in this country. As a child, you so you're two cultures, but, but you have you have to help your parents because, like, to fill out forms or when they need to go to appointments for for the, to the doctors or um, you know anywhere in, yes. to the bank or yes. or shopping, mm-hmm. reading the labels for them or reading their uh, letters, um, and that. And my dad worked hard, mm-hmm. and back in the day, then. Um, there was a lot of work in England, a lot of industry for uh, factories, um, uh, you know, so it wasn't all now, it's too technology is advanced. So if my parents came this time, it would have been a lot difficult for them. Mm-hmm. But back in the day in England, when my dad came in the 50s and the 60s, um, there was a lot of uh, work, labor work available, um, and that. So he worked hard, and um, and then, like you know, he uh, both of them done really well, considering 
they weren't from this country. They brought us kids up really well. Um, um, they gave us that culture where, you know, we had our tradition. We had, we, we had, we knew how to about our religion and, uh, and also how to adapt in the Western world as well. But they came to England at a time when they were helping to rebuild England after the war. So Absolutely. there was plenty of work to do. Hmm? Absolutely. And um, like like the rest of the immigrants, Absolutely. they did well. Yes. Talk to me now about your early schooling. What was life like for school? You were diagnosed as having a sight problem. But yeah, um, I went to a mainstream school, which is literally um, on top of my road. It's like I just you could walk to school. Mm. Um, I started school at five years of age uh, because that time they they didn't have a nursery, and nursery children are uh, three years old, so you could start nursery. But we didn't have one in this school, so I. Uh, started at five, and um, they, they, they didn't know that I had a sight issue because the early signs of this is it's just night vision, so I'm at home then. So during the day... During the day, you playing, function like, like any other child. Yes, yes, it, absolutely. Um, you were and, a little bit like Cinderella. You had to reach... <laughs> 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 so it was like uh, you know. So I went to mainstream. Even my junior school, uh, yes. we when the teacher wrote on the blackboard, it was fine. I could see the blackboard. Mm -hmm. um, then when I went to secondary school, uh, the age of twelve, uh, and I left at sixteen, mm -hmm. um, I could I could see the blackboard. I could do the I could do I could see my exercise books. I could read the textbooks, so I could read books. I, I could see print. Um, and that, and to me, I, I felt normal, if uh, if that's the right word to use, um, as everybody else. I didn't need to go to a special school or or anything like that. Um, so at home, I, I helped my mum with uh, cooking and cleaning and the house chores and and uh, everything like that. But. It was later on, the problem with RP is as you get older, your your sight dies every year of friction. What, so, made, what, made, what made your parents realize that this sight problem was really becoming acute? What, what alerted them? Well, I think when 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 as a toddler, when I start walking, that's when they realise because they realise that you had a problem. Yes, yeah, because when mm -hmm. they switched to like, actually, it was one of my um, elder first cousins, uh, my dad's nephew. He was a lot older than me, mm -hmm. and uh, so uh, and he used to do a lot with uh, me and my siblings, uh, you know. And uh, he noticed it, and he told my parents that I switched the light off in the kitchen and she couldn't walk. She just froze. And initially they just thought I got scared of the dark. Um, but then like they tried it again and again. It was the same. I just wouldn't walk. Um, I'll just stand still um, because I couldn't see anything. 
Uh, and that's what alerted them because when I started to walk, so if they switched the light off, I couldn't walk. So it was just a standstill um, and that. So so this is when, like, they uh, obviously went to the doctors and they referred us to the specialists in the hospital, but they couldn't really give a, a diagnosis as such. Um, so they said night blindness, but they couldn't give it a name until I was a lot older. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like said, so then they said it was genetic. But uh, one time from the hospital, there was this researcher, and they took uh, blood from all my family, like done a blood test, and uh, and in there, and they saying that it was like generation. And like with help of my parents, I went back to like my great grandparents on both sides. And no one had it. So, so that ruled out the generational. Well, yes, but they they say well when I told her that I'm the first, mm. and and apparently it's supposed to be on your uh, a male line. So it was like they didn't make sense what they were saying. Mm. Uh, so then she said to me maybe it skips a few generations and that just made me realize that i'm not really sure if she knew what she was on about yes uh, do you know what i mean because it didn't yes. make sense no she couldn't answer my questions mm-hmm. so when 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 they determined that you had to switch schools at that stage i would imagine no they because because during the day, I mean, school was here for kids were at 8.40 till about 3 o'clock. Mm. Um, those are the hours I could see. Like, so, so you still continued play. with regular school? Yeah, yeah, continued. Oh, um, uh, and when I was 10, and then the my specialist, the consultant, mm-hmm. said that to my parents that she's got retinitis pigmentosa, and the only thing that we could do for her is register her as a visually impaired person. Mm-hmm. Because in England, you get registered. And at that time, mm-hmm. yeah, and that time, I declined because I thought I could see why do I need to be registered? Um, so you continued, that, you continued as, as a sighted person rather yes. than... Yes, yes, yes. And... And then even when I went to school from the age of 11 to 16 um, and I did my exam, it was normal. Like, nobody noticed I had a sight problem. How did you manage with exams, national exams and all of that? Was it Uh, it difficult for you? No, it wasn't because I could read. I could read the print. Like, I could, you know, it was just... um, reading the questions and I could read them because I could read, I could see the print. Um, and then when I left school, I, for two years, I did placements, different, tried out different work, like retail work, office work. And um, uh, so, and then I, uh, then after two years after that, I started to work my first job. I was 18 and I started working for a doctor and I was his uh, receptionist. And so you had to fill out patients' um, uh, 
uh, you know, forms if they've had a, a, mm-hmm. a vaccination of some sort. You had to fill out the vaccination form. And I could read the batch number on the... Um, on the injections, you know, the they have every injection. You have like a uh, tetanus or a tetanus jab, or yes. uh, they have little like numbers, and you have to write that batch number down and where you're mm. filling their form. And I could read those little tiny numbers, and uh, so until my site, I got a registered blind in back in two thousand and one. What made you? And, what made you decide at that point to register the blind person? Was it because that the side was not failing? In fact, yes, it was failing, and uh, and also I lost my side vision, so I only had central vision left, and it got to the stage where I was finding it difficult even to cross the road. Mm-hmm. So I had to sort of then think, you know. But that time was very hard for me, from 2001 to 2004. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about that period, because that is a difficult period. It's a very dark period. Mm. Because the reason it was so dark, because all my life I had this vision, um, so I could read, Mm -hmm. and... That time, it was like if something was taken away from me, um, my independence, you felt your independence going because oh, yes. you, you can't pick the book up. Mm. You can't read. It, did you, you, did can't, you go into depression? Yeah, yeah, I did. It, it was quite dark. Um, I've got a cousin who actually inspired me. He's my mom's nephew on my mom's side. Mm. And he had a sight issue because it ran in their family. Okay. In their dad's family, their late dad's family. Mm. And he, in sight, because he had it from birth, he was visually impaired from a child. Mm. So though he was born in Pakistan, he came here as a young lad. And he went to special school. And in the special school, they they taught him everything. He went to Birmingham. I remember he used to st- used to board in school, and he used to, he used to come round at the weekend to our house to stay if he wanted to. And and they gave him confidence, and they learned how to get a job. And he used to work. And and he told me about uh, this group that. Um, used to run on a Thursday and one of these um, community centres from one till three o'clock and it was for visually impaired people and I said I'm not going and he goes you could go do a course in college Um, they do uh, um, IT for visual impairment so like he was pushing me and pushing me and I wouldn't go because I felt embarrassed that you know one day I could walk on that street on my own independently, and now I need help. Uh, it was just, I couldn't get my head around it. Yes. Uh, and that, but then I realised as well that if I don't help myself, nobody's going to do anything for me. What was really, what was really the, the, the turning point that got you to depression? Was it your cousin who? It was. It was my or... couson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was my cousin, and there was another lady you got to thank. Was uh, she 
uh, was a friend of my cousin, and she is visually impaired, totally visually impaired. Um, she had no so, and she was very independent, very like going to these courses and uh, going out with her husband, and she had family, and it was like she was doing everything. And um, and and like my cousin would say, "Come on, come on, you've got to meet her, and it's, it's so good, and this and that." But also. Another thing I would like to say as well is my faith. Um, I actually, I wouldn't say I'm a practicing Muslim, but I still had my religion because I was brought up as a Muslim. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm thinking, then I thought to myself, if I don't do this now, I'll never get out of this hole. And uh, thank God I did take that step and and when I actually went to this Asian group, it was all Asians there, or different from India, from Bangladesh, from Pakistan. Mm. So, and they all had some sort of sight issue. And the main lady, the chairman, she was a social worker, a blind social worker, because she lost her sight. And she... Uh, you know, created this group, uh, like a forum, so we could go there and just had a cup of tea. She used to arrange, like, groups uh, going out to trips um, to the beach or something like this. And uh, and uh, she said, oh, you could enroll in college. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to college at the age of 35. No. Talk yes. to us about your experiences in college. What was it like? Well, uh, first you, I wouldn't you're, call. You're, you're, you're coming out of depression, but you yeah. are you are not ready to face the world. One one foot in, one foot out. What was it, it like? It, it was it was difficult at first because I wouldn't I didn't want to go to college at thirty five because I thought there's going to be so many youngsters, uh, so I felt a bit you know awkward, uh, but. Actually, going to college, and I remember this, going to college, uh, October 2004, and I was just amazed because everybody was a lot older than I was. So in that classroom, I was the baby. Because mm. there was people which are 60 plus and like senior age with visual impairment. And there was a lady that came on a Zimmer frame and she was learning ah. to about computers, and so um, then it made me realize that age isn't is just a number. You can learn anything at any age. If it she's on the Zimmer frame and she's willing to learn, why yes, aren't you, why aren't you learning? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it, and I was amazed that the computers could talk. You know, mm. I don't need to, I don't need my eyes. I could just. So mm -hmm. then I learned how to touch type uh, uh, and uh, word processing, and did I had speech, headphones did on. The speech, did the speech scare you at first? And actually, it, 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 I was like wowed by it. I was like, it's amazing. But very mm -hmm. fascinated because mm -hmm. I thought, wow, computers could talk uh, and stuff. And also... The other thing I took on that same month, I learned, enrolled on a Braille course. Ah. 
Ah, and uh, yeah. you know what? That was it's a dying art now because of technology. Because you could download books, you could got talking books. There's so much things out there now, mm-hmm. but the Braille is just amazing uh, because. When I learned Braille, it gave me that independence to pick up a Braille book up to read for myself. Mm-hmm. And that was, I felt so proud of myself that I achieved to learn Braille. And now and again, I sort of pick it up, but I've gone on to talking books now. But you know, uh, why, you know, why, it's, you know why it's not so relevant for you anymore? Because you are an adult and you went through regular school system. Where yes. you learn to spell and the you know phonetics and all of this sort of thing. Um, mm. So now it falls into place. But if you were born blind, trust me, you would still want the braille. Yes, but you see, I I don't know if this is if this is only my opinion. Mm. I feel that if a child is born blind. They don't know any difference. So when they get taught Braille or uh, technology, they've got so much stuff out there. But then when you've got sight and you've born like um, with sight and you're going in into your life as a child to an ad, uh, adult and, you, and it's taken away from you, grad, even though it might be gradual, but like you feel... You know, I could see colours. I know what a red looks like, what blue, mm. green, yellow, and now I can't see colours. Mm. It's all grey. Um, on top of my eyesight, now I've got, in, over the COVID period, mm. I've got cataracts in both eyes as well. Mm. So it's just completely foggy. I but used to be see, able to you see, see, see. You see, mm. although you're right up to a certain point. Um, yes. You... you you have to bear in mind that the approach has to be different for both sets. Um, it's a different approach because the child who, if the child never learns Braille and goes on to technology, that child can't spell, you know. Yes. Can't spell and can't construct sentences properly and that kind of thing. Because... When you, when you hear it, it's different from when you're feeling it or looking at it and internalizing it. Mm. But if they were taught Braille, like learn the ABC and learn, mm. because I had to learn to write it on a Perkins machine, mm-hmm. which you type mm. your Braille out. So mm. you can technically, but the only thing that I didn't do, I'm a Braille teacher, I uh, said that I could easily do it because she had confidence in me, but I didn't have confidence in myself mm. to take a uh, qualification in the Braille mm. um, because I learned it very quickly. Uh, I adapted to it very quickly. And you, know, and, uh, I, you yeah. know, one of the things about Braille is that it has a lot of abbreviations. Yes, it does. That's great too, but it, it yeah. is very good. So, it makes you learn so, read faster. So a youngster who is born blind needs to pay special attention Yes. to spelling and word construction. Tell me tell me yeah. now, Nash. You you um 
you are now a grown adult, but coming up through life, what's all dating like for you? Well, I when I was 20, my mom and dad, uh, I, I wouldn't say arranged marriage, it was assistant marriage because I knew they were talking to me. And I went back home to Pakistan. Mm. I got married. In Pakistan? Uh, in yes, Pakistan. I got ma- Yeah, in Pakistan, I got married. Mm-hmm. And um, then at that time to call a spouse from Pakistan, mm-hmm. you had to make your paperwork, you know, um, because I worked as well until mm-hmm. I was so this is earlier on when I was 20 and I worked until I was about 28 29 so I had the weight slips so I had everything um and then we had like the immigration interviews and stuff and then it took him actually five years to come over here yeah. so I got married in 1990 and he came over in 95 yeah so I got married in 1990 in Pakistan Mm. And uh, then it took us about five years to get him over here with the immigration and everything. So he joined me in England in 95. Mm-hmm. And we stayed married for 13 years. Okay. And then um, and then we separated in 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I so, think... So, Nash, fill mm. me in a little bit. This, yes. this was an, a prearranged marriage. Was it a prearranged it, marriage? Is it is it yes. a custom? Is it a custom? Yes, it is a custom. Mm-hmm. It is a custom where your mm-hmm. parents arrange it. But lucky for me that I was involved in that arrangement as well. Okay, okay. So, so. I got to speak to my husband mm-hmm. at that time a while uh, uh, to be. Um, I I I got to know him a little bit. Uh, before we got married. Okay. Did the union produce any any children? No, unfortunately, we didn't have any children. Oh. Um, I think it's just one of those um, not meant to be. Mm-hmm. How do you cope in the kitchen as a blind person now? <laughs> Very <you> difficult. <laughs> it. I could do simple things now. I can't cook. I I, I was a very good cook, uh, making Asian food. Uh, I could cook all our Asian curries. Uh, I could make the chapatis on the griddle pan, um, roast dinners. I could do that. But now it's very difficult because I can't see the naked flame on the gas cooker. So I could warm stuff up um, Using the in microwave. the microwave. Yeah, I could like sort of get myself a, a coffee, uh, boil the kettle and pour it in the cup. But I put the cup over the sink. Mm-hmm. So if there's any spillages, they go over the sink. Over the sink. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but, you know, lucky for me, I've got a mom and a sister living two doors away from me on the same road. So... For you're, the spoiled. Men, you're, you're spoiled, you're spoiled. I am, I am privileged. <laughs> uh, I mean, thank God. I yes. can just thank God. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so, but, I'm pri- but, yeah. But um, you, you, so you haven't invested in any gadgets for the kitchen then? 
any specialized gadgets. I have. So there are so many of them. They are, but they are so expensive as well. They are true, so expensive. True, true. Because there's no demand for them, because mm. they're talking equipment. I got talking bathroom scales. <laughs> okay. And uh, my microwave's got the sticky bumps on it. Mm. So I could like press it a couple of times to know that's two minutes now. And I've got an air fryer. I could mm. put stuff in there to grill. Mm-hmm. And that's on a dial. And one of my cousins bought it for me last um, birthday. Mm-hmm. They're expensive, but he said because I was burning my hand in the grill. So you just put this you air fry. You like a you pull it out. You put your stuff in and you push it back in. And then like you just put the dial on. Like it's like a circle. So you could imagine a clock face. So if you turn yes. it to three o'clock, that's mm-hmm. fifteen minutes. Four o'clock mm-hmm. is 20 minutes as you, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then you let it cook. And when it stops, it goes pink, like there's a like noise. Then you pull out the tray mm-hmm. and then you could take your stuff out. So you don't have to mess around with the, like, if you put stuff under the grill to turn it over uh, and that. So that's some, a good gadget. But, I mean, uh, but my main cooking, like the main meal I have with my mom and my sister. Mm-hmm. What about what about mo- uh, mobility? Do you go on the road on your own and use the various gadgets? Yeah, in two thousand and seven, I learned to use the long guide cane with a mm-hmm. with a jumbo. It's called a jumbo tip. It's like a like a round ball, yeah, size of a size of a little golf white golf ball, mm-hmm. and uh, so I use that swipe, but. To go out, I go out with family or friends. Mm-hmm. I can't go independently because I can't cross the roads. Uh, so I could go to my mom's house. It's only 16 steps. So mm-hmm. from that's my front door to... That's easy. Yeah, that's easy. But um, also while I was like going through college and uh, and I'd done some mainstream courses again, mm-hmm. just to refresh in my memory, Um and that, and uh, everything was done on the talking computer. And then um, this new, um, back in 2012, uh, as I was uh, made aware of this um, blind center that we've got in commentary, and we're very, very fortunate to have it mm-hmm. because a lot of big cities don't have it. And it's called Commentary Resource Center for the Blind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I went there, they done so many stuff. Um, I mean, you contribute, you pay a little bit towards each session that you do. They've got computer sessions in there, device sessions, cooking lessons, um, allotment. They've got allotment where you could grow stuff, you could go there. And it's all blind people there from all... From you, you mean basically the allotment, basically like farming, right? Planting produce. Yeah, but you have your own allotment. The council gives you allotment. You pay so much a year to it towards it. Okay. And what 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 the centre's got the allotment for as blind people? You've got a raised bed, and there might be about twelve beds there. So, mm. and they're split in two. So I have a patch. I grow my little vegetables in there, uh, and other people could grow flowers or vegetables or whatever they want. Um, and I think that opened so many doors for me and made me so confident and so positive now that uh, 
because you're meeting other. It's like being in your your blind world. Mm -hmm. Like so, you've mm -hmm. got people same as yourself going through same difficulties as yourself, mm -hmm. and you're learning. You socialize. You you're socializing, mm -hmm. and you. I've learned so much stuff from blind people because I ask, well, how do you do this in your house? And they say, well, we do it this way. Mm. And like, it's just so good because a sighted person don't understand our needs. And it's only people with a sight issue that could sympathize with you and empathize in what you're going through. How, so do, you, how do you identify clothes in your wardrobe? Right, okay, so when I get taken to go shopping, I like, I try my clothes on there because I don't go out often enough. So I can't buy a dress and then take it back because mm -hmm. it's too much. So once I get tried, so my cousin who takes me shopping or my sister, they'll say, this dress is pink mm -hmm. or and it's got flowers or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... I feel it with my hand, feel the material, feel the if it's got a zip on it or buttons. And then I'm thinking, this is the pink one. So mm. when I put it in the wardrobe, I, I could feel all my dresses and I know which dress it is by feeling it. And I've so you, been, don't, you don't use color identifiers at all? I've got color, I've got an app on my phone mm. and, and there's a color in that app, within mm. that app. So I can say... Seeing AI. Yes, 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 it is. Yes. That built in and that's it. a free app, and it's a very, yes. very good app. Yes. It's a very and, good app. And guess what? Be mm. My Eyes. Yes, fantastic app. I've got that one as well. You, you have that as well. Yeah. I mean, if I get really stuck because I can't, can't tell the colors, and if I mm. mix my jeans up, mm. so I have used that app be my eyes and I said to them is this my black pair or my navy pair mm -hmm. so the person the volunteer on the other end will tell me okay okay and I've got different colored trainers or you know court shoes are different like different colors so like then I could use that app or the other be my eyes but a lot of the times I use just my hands mm -hmm. because what about, the, what about identifying medication Medication. I, I, I noticed now that in Britain they they're labeling a lot of they they're putting braille on a lot of their boxes. Uh, oh yes, oh, that's what I was just gonna say. Fantastically, oh, every yeah. uh, every box of my medication that comes is got braille. And mm. what I do because I'm on my own, I have no young children around, mm. so I have a tray in my kitchen and I've laid out all my medication. <laughs> so you, you know where to yeah. find them. Right? Yeah, and I could just read the box. If I finish one box, I could go into the cupboard and get the bag of medication and get the right box and put that box back there mm -hmm. uh, and get the blister packet on top so I know that is the certain medication. Um, eye drops are quite easy because I only have the one. Yes. Um, so I have that and, that, and that just goes in the morning and the evening. Um But, like, the good thing about living on your own, because there's nobody else sharing this house. Mm. So I have everything in a particular place in the cupboard or, mm. or you know, on my 
cut table or on my mantelpiece mm-hmm. or, or my front lounge or upstairs i've got everything laid out where i how i like it mm-hmm. so my friends or family who come to my house they don't touch anything okay. um they will they will ask to say so you know so mm-hmm. if they if they have drinks and that i say to them at the end of the night put them in the sink where i could wash them and put them away myself mm-hmm. uh, so don't leave them around on the floor or you know or just leave them because on the coffee table that's what to make a mess it. yes yeah now so, before we 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 are about to bring this interview to a close but okay cool i want you to take the next two minutes and motivate our listeners not just not just blind or disabled but all the people listening to uvc radio in more than 60 countries I want to just take time and leave a motivating word with them. What would you say to them? Well, I think it's, it's being positive from within and um, and also I feel that you're only here once, so make the most of it. And uh, I've learned just to try things out and there are different ways of doing it if you can't do it one way there's another way of doing it so like just just keep going just keep just just and if you if you get stuck there are people out there or charities that are out there that will help you and um just and you know everyone's got a tongue in their mouth so like everyone could speak mm-hmm. um so you know just stay positive um and stay strong mentally just you know and for me my faith my spiritual spirituality is um is there a lot of people say to me that how confident you are and they just inspired how much stuff i actually do if you have any questions or comments regarding this program please address them to norwill2 at gmail.com that is N-O-R-W-I-L-L number two at gmail.com Thanks for listening. Have a happy and productive week. That's it for today. Join me next time when we will present another in the series Vision Scope. Music was provided by Rennie Williams Jr.